You are listening to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beej, the advancing journeyman developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Will's over here using his nonverbals to mess everybody up. <laughs> BJ's getting passive aggressive with his uh, verbals. Uh-huh. <laughs> Aaron's over here being assertive. I've actually got tears coming out my eyes. <laughs> and Cody's just passively waiting to be aggressive. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I feel like that's my default style. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the barren wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we've invited our friends Aaron Orstrom and Cody Rockwood back to discuss a few common types of communication, the basic styles we use when communicating, and then go over one of the systems of communication that exists to help you better understand and communicate with those around you. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I'm trying to get a product out the door. I'm down to either nine or ten items on the bug list. Like eight of them are configuration issues, like with the installer. And we're really, really close to going. So that's pretty much all I'm doing right now is just trying to push that thing out the door. That's all I got on mine. I actually do have something I'm fighting this week. Well, I guess it's kind of an update and something I'm fighting all wrapped in one. But um, so the last two episodes that you guys have had me on, I had started new jobs before each of those episodes. And funnily enough, uh, this is week five of another new job because the, the second one didn't uh, work out like I was hoping it would. Um, but, you know, luckily I got another job. Anyway, so I'm in week five of that. And for the last week um, on my first PBI or um, product backlog item, first ta- task I've been working on for this new or for this project that I've been put on, I've been dealing with a with a cores issue. Um, so we've got like a, a consumer application um, that's linked to a standalone application and it's supposed to be able to talk to the standalone application to get to get data so that we can we can test test views and things because um, we don't actually have direct access to the consumer application anyway. So it's a tool that we we've been told exists now. It's just kind of trying to figure out how to use it because the the developer that built it is currently on a sabbatical and nobody else on the team has used this tool before and so when, when, I, when i when i installed it and you know tried to get it up and running i, I keep keep running into cores issues so i've moved on working to a couple other pbis in the meantime and so it's literally been a week going that we've been working on these uh these cores issues that uh, phrase you use the developers on sabbatical is like in a horror movie when somebody says there's something out there <laughs> <laughs> it's like and you're dead yeah yeah about you, Cody? Um, I'm actually not really fighting anything for once, which is nice. Uh, I am transitioning to an applications architect position, um, so I'll be, be able, I'll be able to focus on enterprise solutions, uh, integrating those, making BJ's life easier, uh, working on whoop, whoop. deployments and automating those and code management and just improving processes. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then kind of interestingly enough, I'm going through a transition personally where I'm trying to reprioritize where all the, you know, priorities are in, in, in my life and what the important things are and trying to work on the health and, and get that kind of lined back up. So is that a midlife crisis? No, not so much a midlife crisis as hey, just, I hope you're not in the middle of this. Point. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> no, no kidding. but no, like I, you know, I have some things, I, I have kidney disease, so I need to start prepping for that and, you know, make, mm-hmm. taking care of my kidneys and taking care of my health and just putting some, I'm getting married in October. So, you know, Congratulations. the discussion is on kids and house and that kind of stuff. So you start putting things in order and getting things lined up. I so that. fair enough. Mm-hmm. So we got one project into pilot this past week and plan to finish another one up this week, though that one's going into production. So it's a little bit more complicated. I've uh, been having a lot of meetings and going into the office a lot more uh, than you know, normally for that. But uh, I have something somewhat communication-related for IOTs, so let's go ahead and roll the music.
this week for IOTs, I have something that Will and I are going to be building, and that is a family calendar that will display for his family to keep track of all the things that they do. We're planning on using an Arduino and a display screen, along with some code to integrate his and his wife's Google calendars to display on a screen with reminders of upcoming events and things like that. It's still in the design phase, but I kind of wanted to mention it now since we you know, are talking about communication. It's somewhat related. Once we've built it, though, we will write up a blog post about how you too can build one for your family. Who's talking to us this week? So we had a comment on web dev skills to get the job from France Gab. said, nice read. I just passed this on to a friend who was doing some research on that. And he just bought me lunch since I found it for him. Thus, let me rephrase that. Thanks for lunch. (laughs) Well, uh, France or Frank, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but uh, you're welcome. And thank you for the comment. We appreciate that. Um, Our best source of advertising is word of mouth. So uh, shoot us an email at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com because we've got a water bottle just for you. And guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer water bottle, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all of our episodes to Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn. We're also on Path and Tumblr. Do you guys want to meet us and hear Will speak on why your DBA hates your ORM? Come down to Huntsville, Alabama for DevSpace Conference, North Alabama's premier polyglot technology conference. In addition to Will, you'll be able to hear talks on .NET, JavaScript, C++, and lots more. DevSpace is October 13th and 14th this year. Tickets are on sale now. And to get a 10% discount, use the code COMPLETEDEV or follow the link in the show notes. Again, That's DevSpace in Huntsville, Alabama on October 13th and 14th. Communication is how we interact with those around us. Understanding how we and others communicate creates better interaction and understanding. When communicating with others, we need to be aware of our own emotions. This helps to be able to focus on the interaction and not be driven by our feelings about the situation. You know what helps with that? Not having feelings. That does help. And if you <laughs> if you can Sheldon that, go for it. You know, emotions are filters that tend to alter our perceptions of interactions with those around us. We're going to start off discussing a few of the common types of communication, then talk about the basic styles that people use when communicating. And we'll finish up talking about behavioral styles in communication using the communication styles technology developed by Dr. Paul Mock. Now, Cody and I have both taken the assessment and been through a course on this system, and so we've got a little bit of familiarity with it. But what we want you guys to be able to do is to use this information to be aware of not only your own emotions, but of those around you and how they're communicating with you. Starting off, types of communication... And we're just going to kind of briefly go over these are verbal, nonverbal, written, and then we're going to kind of delve a little bit into interpersonal communication. Verbal communication is what most people think of when they hear the term communication. It's a lot harder than people think. Like, I can't tell you how many times during a normal day, like, even when I'm not talking about software, where, where I have to, where I end up stumbling over my words and I have to stop and say, Ugh, words are hard. And then, Pick, pick it back up and try to complete verbally what I was trying to say. Well, it's like having a podcast. <laughs> you'll, <yeah. laughs> you'll say stuff and you and the guy editing and two or three of your friends are like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And somebody else will be like, what are you on about? <laughs> you I know. speak like an idiot half the time every day anyway. So it's, also, yeah, it also it's depends on how it's, technical you want to get into stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's always great when you're having like some kind of low level conversation about like operating system level threading problems and all of a sudden you're like i can't typing it's <laughs> it's the worst you know and i think we have a uh, <laughs> one of our passing information between episodes is beach no type well with rum yeah, <laughs> yeah there is there is one of those floating around here somewhere stuff that you've said written yeah. i mean it, that is probably the biggest thing that people think that most communication is is being able to properly communicate ideas mm-hmm that's that's a little tricky. It, it really is. Especially at the junior level, because, like, you know, you start out being so non-technical 
that, you know, people, even people who have been in the industry for a while, you know, try to bring it down b- back down to that junior level. And even some of those terms and, and concepts and ideas, y- you just kind of have to pause and like, like, no, I don't understand what any of that means. Like you literally have to dumb it down sometimes. It's to, bad at a senior to level though too, right, Cody? I mean, cause you don't, you forget the stuff that other people don't have in their awareness. Like that whole thing I said about threads. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, a lot of junior devs even, you're, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, this is a multi-threaded problem. And they just look at you. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I have I have the problem where I just want to say, do it this way and then carry on. Like, yeah. I go back to what I was doing. Yeah. And there's a whole load of verbal communication that needed to happen that happened in my head because, you know, <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm doing and I'm going yeah. to run and, off. Mm-hmm. People I, are standing there. What was that? Yeah. That's, <laughs> oh. And that's what I've found a lot of too is like at work, I'm uh, like, I'll have somebody help me with something or, you know, try to walk me through something. And they, you know, to their credit, they, they know what they're talking about. But like when they're trying to explain it to me, it's not quite at my level yeah. or like I maybe understand that that's a term or like something that it's related yeah. to, but actually trying to implement it. Yeah, you know, so there's kind steps. of a divide of like, do I actually understand what they're saying? Or like, yes, I understand it, but how do I implement it? Like, it's it's just such a, a disconnect sometimes that it's like, like oh, I just wish I was a little bit. Well, well you more have to understand your audience too. I mean, that that's the that's the part that's really tricky for me a lot of times is because not only do I have to remember, okay, I've I've been immersed in you know in programming since you know the early nineties, dating myself. The there. dinosaur age. Yeah, back when the Dead Sea was just sick, right? And. <laughs> And, and so I can talk to somebody and I can't, you know, if I don't necessarily know what their level is, I'm, I'm faced with a choice of, okay, do I talk above their head and have them think that I'm a pompous jerk, which I am, but I don't want to, you know, throw that out there on the first, you know, the first run, or do I want to try to explain it and risk over explaining it and yeah. them going, man, this guy thinks I'm an idiot. What's his deal? All right. Uh, and I'll, I'll be honest, like something that I've noticed being a junior developer talking to senior developers is there are a lot of things that like, especially within C sharp that I don't know about. And so I'll ask a question, you know, in you'll do this too, where I'll ask you a question and you'll be like, all right, well, are you talking about this or this or this or this? And I only know about one of those because I haven't been exposed to the others or there are older technologies that aren't really used as much or stuff like that. And it, it, it becomes difficult when doing that, I have to you know, clarify what I'm talking about. We almost have like a handshake protocol going on there to try to figure out what the other person actually means when they say something. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And for them to figure out what you mean, and both of those have to work. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the well, communication yeah. doesn't happen. If there's four things that he could be referencing and you just rip one off and then take off on it, you know, and go back to what you're doing, he may not know. He may yeah. be trying to implement something that is not relevant in any shape or fashion and he's Googling it and looking it up. Saying, I don't understand what will. Oh, no, I'm so stupid. I'm such an idiot. You know, yeah. whatever. When really it was just a communication issue. It was- mm-hmm. I will say um, the during the, the week before the developer that was on the project that I'm working on now, but the week before he went on his sabbatical, it was like a whole no- knowledge transfer week um, trying to get me and one of the other developers like caught up on what the project was, a little bit how it worked and all that stuff. Um, and I really liked his approach was that um, he would often say like as he was explaining things, you know, like, hey, let me know if you have any questions or if you don't understand something, you know, like ask questions. And then he would say something like, you know, I don't want to make any assumptions about, you know, whether you know what this is or not i'm just you know trying to you know do the knowledge transfer thing so he he was kind of like checking in and and he he was trying to find a middle ground of that mm-hmm. not you know not trying to assume that i was stupid and didn't you know know anything about what he was talking about but not trying to talk was so above my head no it was uh alan but no no and I ryan brian does a good a yeah, good job ryan too because he's done that with me yeah back, so but he, so i really liked his approach where he he was trying to find a middle ground and he did a really good job of it and was just you know like, yes ask me questions because he was probably the one that was most familiar with the code and that wrote most of it and this this applies beyond just technical talk because a lot of times disagreements and misunderstandings come about from using the same word differently you also kind of want to be a little careful with like, your idioms and your slang Especially uh, with an international audience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I stated this several times. My dad was a preacher before he retired. We had this one couple that just moved down to Murfreesboro and he was from Australia. They came the very first Sunday. My dad was sick. Common idiom in the US for being sick is under the weather. 
In Australia, however, it means the same thing as under the table. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it means either extremely drunk or extremely hungover. I don't know nothing right. about what you're talking about. And so when one of the when elders the got up, a preacher that doesn't go over so yeah. well. <laughs> so when one of the elders got up and said, "You know, we're going to have a guest speaker because you know our minister is a little under the weather this morning," he about fell out of his seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you just you just kind of want to want to be careful, though. You know, using metaphors and idioms to explain things when you do understand the audience can be very helpful. I did notice at the state, or when I, or when I was working at the state, um, I actually didn't realize how many idioms and metaphors and and other associations that like you know you use on a daily basis without you know without even thinking about it. Like you know, say something off the top of my head, like that. That's a you know, a metaphor or idiom or whatever that I wouldn't have even thought about. But um, yeah, especially when you, you know, you're working with people who, you know, English isn't their first language or they didn't grow up here, you know, and they don't get those references. It's, you know, you really have to think about, you know, what you're saying and how you're communicating. I should specify American English because ah, yeah. the, the British idioms are different and other areas that speak English have different idioms. Well, so some parts of America are a little different. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. You ever played drop the hanky? I haven't been to Prison Beach. <laughs> it is actually <laughs> it, it is it is Duck Duck Goose in Michigan. Is it really? Uh, that's yes. not what I would have thought Hanky was. Because yeah. <laughs> so in the MMPI, the original one, um, it uh, it had questions with like idioms and stuff in them, mm-hmm. and the the initial test group that they used on it was from a local area, and so it it made sense to everybody. But then when it started gaining popularity, people are like, I don't know what this is. And, you know, saying, oh, I never played Duck, Duck, Goose as a child. You know. <laughs> Drop the hanky. Yeah. What in the world? <laughs> it's not like they don't okay, have ducks so or we have any Michiganders there. in our audience. Can somebody <laughs> please explain not, this? Not Michigan, Minnesota. Minnesota, Michigan. Well, those gets them confused. <laughs> yeah, apparently. You're from the frozen north. <laughs> yeah. Canada. Yeah. North of the wall. <laughs> 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 Next is nonverbal communication. This is something that I use a lot because I like to talk with my hands, but it can basically mean anything that doesn't use words. Yeah. And I mean, Beach's language is basically sign language with a slight verbal component. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Nonverbal communication is a really broad category that covers everything from hand movements to facial gestures. And really, it's a, enough information in just that area for its own episode. Yeah, it really is. Um, you. You'd be surprised just how much just very slight differences in your face will lie to me. Will communicate, yeah. If anyone's mm-hmm. ever watched that, that that, that yeah. showcases or it uh, it highlights like fa- like slight facial twitches and and yeah. Well, I mean, we can look at each other across the room. We've known each other for so long that it doesn't take a whole lot, and you're like, yeah, I know what he's thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Especially if it's foul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When conveying information, your nonverbals need to match what you're saying. Yeah. Have you ever talked to somebody who is smiling and it never touches their eyes or it doesn't touch the their voice? They're just smiling and they're. Oh, yeah. Super awkward. Yeah. It's it, there's like that. There's that creepy, like uncanny valley thing going on there where you're just you're like, there's something really, really off. Yeah. I stopped mm-hmm. talking to those people because they're usually unhinged. I, I stopped talking to those people because they're usually QA. <laughs> like I said, I'm hinged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or project managers, whatever. Yeah. Actually, project managers, not usually, but they're, they're QA or they're server admins for sure. Yeah. Uh, I like to pick on those people. I, I talk to those people when I'm bored because usually it's an adventure. <laughs> I mean, really? Choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah. How do you interpret this facial expression? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turn to page 42. No, written communication is its own beast to master. And this can take the form of emails, technical specs, documentation, acceptance criteria, and it goes on and on. There's a lot of stuff that we end up writing down. Well, and Cody, you know, I, I know Cody's experienced this as well, and you guys may have, but have you ever noticed that you write specs, you initially write the specs trying to hit the technical guidelines you know, when you're early on and then later you start also having to consider the political oh, yeah. aspects of it. And like, I swear like 80% of every spec I write, 80% of the work is figuring out the political situation to actually get this thing out the door and how to say things so oh, yeah. that it doesn't 
I mean, that's one of the reasons why any important emails I make sure is an email. Like I won't, I won't go to someone's office typically or have, I'd prefer to email yep. anything important, especially ahead of time. Because if I try, especially if I'm upset or something's not going well, because I'm emotional when I like, especially when things are not going well and I know it should be right and it should be fixed or I've said this before or it's one of those I told you so moments. Yeah. Especially when it's an I told you so, I told you so that's coming down on my head. That's when I get real, real aggressive. So it's better for me to use written communication because I can write that email three times. Make it come off slightly snarky so people understand that I'm not happy, but super professional at the same time. And I just yeah. cut them with words and the, 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 <laughs> it gets fixed. Well, well, that's the thing, you know, like written communication has got it's like body language is probably most is, is most of it. Oh, yeah. Verbal. If you're talking on the phone, you can hear inflections of the voice, but you lose data yeah. mm-hmm. that. and written. You lose even more data. Right. And sometimes you want that data to be lost. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting you say that because just today I was writing a Slack message to one of our coworkers um, asking, like, the information I wanted to know was when something would be done. But one of our other coworkers who sitting beside me, he's like, it's kind of passive aggressive. Yeah. I'm like, really? And he's like, well, does she know that it needs to be done? I'm like, I think so. It's like, are you sure? No. Then asking when it's going to be done is a little passive aggressive. Might be better just to ask, you know, just to ask if she could do it. And so, yeah, I didn't, I hadn't even thought about it that way, but he made a good point. Well, the other thing too is a lot of people kind of, they almost code switch a little bit when they are upset. I know Beach does it and I do it. And I guess you guys probably do too. What do you mean by code switch? Like you, you change the way you express things ah yeah and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit too. Yeah. like con- like context switching almost no like the w- the words you use and the way you shape mm-hmm. your response mm. it has to do with your communication behavior yeah see right. that's that's my problem is in person i have zero filter i will so i will tell you specifically <laughs> what i think yeah, and my my facial and they're like, expressions. But I'm not that flexible. It. Like, <laughs> I mean, even <laughs> even even when I'm sitting at the table and someone is talking or presenting, my I can I have zero control over not looking like I'm going to kill someone, <laughs> yep. or that I am completely and utterly disappointed, or that this is a complete piece of crap. And I, so I am much better at doing that. You know, through like my my style, the words I choose, how I pr- approach things changes completely when I'm writing it versus me having to sit there or me having to get on the phone or any of that. So mm-hmm. interpersonal communication is kind of what we've been talking about this whole time anyways. Well, but that's what we've been in. Yeah, it's between a small group, usually face to face. Everyone is engaged in the dialogue. You know, there's typically few restrictions on the communication. I mean, we can curse. <laughs> I said typically, and there are restrictions, just few. Well, and they're kind of agreed upon. That's part yeah. of the deal with a small group. Exactly. And this type of communication is often used to help groups or teams open up to one another and get to know each other better. So the basic communication styles, and we're going to talk about each one of these where we define it, talk about how it's expressed non-verbally, and then some of the effects that it has. Um, are aggressive, passive, passive-aggressive, and assertive. Aggressive communication is about winning. You know, being aggressive implies that your needs are more important than others. Example would be Frank Underwood. Does nobody watch House of Cards? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I uh, well, yeah. Frank Underwood. It can be hostile and threatening. Or very direct. Yeah. Um, I've, I've worked under several managers that once they get just a little bit wound up, like this is their go-to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but is direct technically aggressive? It is for them because <laughs> I'm, I'm. That's how they're aggressive. I am going to be direct no matter what, but I can be extremely calm and be direct. Like you know, they, they get to where they're very quickly dropping f bombs and and. Okay, that's yeah. yeah see, to me, that's up, different than direct. That's that is straight up aggressive. Yeah. No, this this tends to like. This style tends towards low frustration tolerance and high impulsivity, which matches what you were saying. Well, it tends to be if-then statements. Yeah. Sure. Take, yeah. If you do this, then this will happen. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that tends to be the way that aggressive. Yeah, a few nonverbal expressions are basically about dominance in the conversation. The tone tends to be loud and fast. 
they express a large posture with kind of big, fast, and sharp gestures. Yeah, or pounding your hand on the desk, or or your chair, or your yeah, keyboard. Keyboard. Yeah, yeah. We don't know Never anybody that. that pounds their keyboard when they're frustrated. <laughs> Let's say I go through a couple a year. Yeah, BJ probably goes through a couple a year or <laughs> breaks the arms on his chair a couple times a year. <laughs> That's more like I it. I don't ever. I don't really smack the desk. I do the, uh, the I ty- arms I ty- of my chair. I type hard. Like I've jammed my fingers on my keys yeah. before. Probably should walk away at that point. <laughs> yeah, but stuff gets done. <laughs> the keyboard is replaceable. Yeah, but your joints aren't. Eh, they're all right. So using this style does have some unwanted consequences beyond stubbed fingers. Others tend to react either defensively or aggressively. Yeah, because my first reaction when somebody starts being aggressive with me is extreme aggression straight back towards them. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't really have a... I don't have much of a flight response. It doesn't work because I can't really run fast enough to justify it. Yeah. And you tend to kind of alienate those around you and they may start to fear or even hate you. Yeah. yeah or, or even if you're in a good mood, they're, they're mad that you're there. Mm-hmm. Or it's like you got to be walking on eggshells around them because you never know what they're going to react to or, or, you know, how, or, you know, how they're going to react typically, but it's like, you know, sometimes you don't know, you don't what's, know what's exactly what's going to set them off. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I, I and I had I, I tended to lean into this kind of communication when I started at the state real early, uh, and it caused me some problems. I either had people who would, you know, put up their guard and then not let me get anything done because of the way that I approached it, even if it was beneficial to them. They really didn't care, and that caused me more problems than it was worth. And I had people get aggressive back to me, and and it would cause that to, and, and that starts to kind of. Spread yeah. across, you know, your coworkers and other people. And I had people coming to me thinking that I was just some jerk, you know, that I'd never talked to before. But word started getting out, and I had to make significant uh, changes and and apply a lot of effort to get that changed over the years. Yeah, I saw a, a thread on Hacker News today where somebody was talking about, you know, it's it's amazing how quickly some people go nonlinear and yeah. just like they just have just an exponential blow off in their mm-hmm. anger and. You'll see this in a lot of office environments, and there's there's certain kinds of people I think that honestly seem to enjoy that. I mean, that's why trolls exist, right? Yeah, because yeah. they like seeing that stuff happen on the internet. So yeah. it happens in real life. Yeah, are you it's talking about probably a German word for it too? What do you mean going nonlinear? Like they just explode. Oh, in so like words. so like what happened in Wanted in that movie? Uh, where where he finally just got fed up with it and and got got went off on his boss and 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 quit. Well, more like. You know, like let's 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 assign a numerical value to something Cody says to me, right? It's a two, and my response is a two. That's linear. Whereas he he gives me a two, and I give him a fifteen, not so hmm. much. And he gives me a three, and I give him a forty-five. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. think of maybe literally. You know. So think of so if my aggression like my aggression rises at a steady 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 rate, it's basically those people that have real sharp tipping points uh. where their aggression just rockets up. Given certain words or certain circumstances, and mine or, actually does at the extreme. No. Sure, yeah, but most people's most people doesn't. Yeah, at the extreme. yeah, once you get pushed enough, where you decide I'm not going back another inch, and you're going back fifty feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because I had an incident not all that long ago. So one that uh, doesn't really apply to I don't think anyone here is the passive communication, and that focuses on pleasing others and avoiding conflict. Yeah, and this is how I used to be um, back in college. Yeah, and probably shortly thereafter, I used to be really shy, and I used to be a people pleaser. And I'm get, calling shenanigans right now. There's I, no way. Yeah, I was. Yeah, and then pick, he, and then he snapped. Not happening. I knew him back then. He he did, and then he would like he would take it to a point, and then he'd snap. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is not any way to live. I mean, mm-hmm. you you end up with everybody walking on eggshells around you. You feel like you're getting dumped on all the time, and other. Other people are afraid you're going to blow up. So, like, you have all the negatives of being aggressive, and you don't have any of the positives, (laughs) such as they are. So, it's constant tension. Yeah. Yeah. It tends to be very soft-spoken and apologetic. Right. You know, we we know people that, you know, they get on your nerves, they apologize so much. Now, some of the nonverbal expressions are kind of a submission in the conversation. You know, the vocal tones are soft, low, and slow, and... They'll express a small posture with kind of fidgety gestures. 
Yeah, and looking down. Yeah, a lot. Not you know, not not maintaining eye contact when you talk to somebody. Um, not directly addressing people. Yeah, and you know, it leaves others feeling exasperated. You know, they may feel frustrated with you for not being able to make a decision, or feel guilty for taking advantage of you. Well, and plus, once you've ticked them off, they feel like they're kicking a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they ever yeah. finally snap, they feel horrible about it. I mean, I, I have a problem with passive communication just, like, from the get-go. Yeah. I will – typically, anybody that comes to me and is fairly passive, my immediate read on them is that they just don't – They haven't made a decision. Well, they just don't, like – they just approach things with such a lackadaisical, you know, kind of attitude that they just have no, like, no hunger, no drive. They really don't care if something gets done. Like, and to me, that completely clashes with my personality. Yeah. I like people who have drive, who have, you know, want, want to get things done and see, see products finished and see things fixed or, you know, and, and really wants to get after it. And passiveness is just so, it, it, it ta- it's taxing to me because I want to try and like apply that for them. Right. So then I'll, and then when I can't get them to respond that way, I'll start to get aggressive and then it just gets worse. And then right. I end up hating them and I'm like, please go away. And then they come back to you apologizing like 15 yeah. times. And I have, and you're just I have like, to explain. I wasn't mad to you. Start <laughs> apologizing. Leave me alone. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone before the beast comes out. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually when I say, shut up, Ben, or I'll kick you. <laughs> With a few other expletives. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. yeah, exactly what I'm talking about. So, mm-hmm. passive aggression. Um, I've been accused of being passive aggressive, and usually, like, if I'm passive aggressive, this is this is your warning sign to stop before the passive drops off. <laughs> um, and it's basically a way of going, okay, I'm I'm trying not to rock the boat, but I'm trying to get my way mm. through underhanded type. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. that's kind of what it is. It tends yeah. to come from a feeling of powerlessness or resentfulness. Yeah. It's an inability to deal directly with the situation. I, I like you have been accused of this and it's it's more like I don't realize that what I'm saying can be conveyed that way. Right. Where I'm I'm trying to not be aggressive and yeah. it comes out passive aggressive. Yeah, typically yeah. that's where you end up because you and I have had this discussion not that long ago mm-hmm. and we've discussed the amount of salt you have in some of your communication, you know, um, and, and all these flavors and you choose to be salty. Right. So that's, you know, th- but that's, that's where it's coming out. And it's not, it's not the typical passive aggressiveness that I think most people think, you know, think about when, when, when that gets brought up, but it's still there enough and people pick up on it. So it's, it's something that, that can be kind of subtle. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think a lot of it too is, you know, there's, there's really two kinds of passive aggression. There's the kind that somebody's just, you know, that's kind of a cowardly way, way of dealing with things. And then there's the kind that's that comes out of, hey, look, I don't want to. Oh, yeah. It's definitely. I don't want to detonate. And this yeah. is the option. Yeah, it's it's definitely point. his way of pulling the throttle back and yeah. trying actively trying to get it fixed and get the fr- get through the frustration without imp- just absolutely obliterating somebody. Right. And yeah. usually he'll have that vent session with me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, I completely agree, but don't say that out loud. <laughs> and then, you know, he'll, we'll have to get through it. But well, I mean, that's, that's I'm, one way that just dealing with way. anger for me is I like to vent. Once I've gotten like, I've vented. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm usually not. I'm usually still angry. <laughs> oh, no, you, you gotta, you gotta like take action. Yeah. I have to, I have to vent and then get, and the problem has got to go away no. by, by that time. But yeah, passive aggression is a significant refuge for me. So what's your, what's your style out of these? Well, we haven't gotten there yet, but I feel like I would tend to be more assertive than anything else. Um, of course you would pick the good one. I would course. agree with that. Well, but you, you didn't wait for my stipulation, but I can be passive aggressive too. And I think, I mean, just coming from like a woman's perspective that passive aggressiveness for women is is kind of tricky um yeah. because it's, it's, it's more soft power when women yeah and it's it's men. it's our communication styles like men versus women and i'm not trying to reinforce a stereotype at all but um you know if men are assertive they're seen as you know like getting things done and you know confident and you know all these things but more often than not when when women you know are trying to be assertive and not passive aggressive passive um aggressive we're more seen as acting aggressively instead of you know being just just direct and you know trying to get things done and, and not having emotions into play so even if we're you know we're trying to be the good one and, and trying to trying to act assert- assertively it's usually you know taken as aggression 
just because it's a woman acting that way. That and a lot of times, like assertiveness is basically being, you know, being direct and being able to take consequences. You know, the the aggressive style is more like, hey, I'm going to leap out there and not worry about the consequences. And I think that's probably the the thing is where people think the line is drawn because it's very different. Like if you, if you see a guy that weighs 130 pounds and he's getting belligerent and aggressive, you know, as far as he, you know, as long as he doesn't go back and get a weapon. Yeah. What's he going to do? Yeah. You know, like his aggression is taken very, very differently than, you know, someone that's much larger. <laughs> yeah. Those guys just kind of look at him. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas there's been a few times I've just stood up and people have left. Right. Cause, you know, well, I also think, like, with being passive-aggressive, you know, and especially for, for, like, women, women tend to be more, like, people-pleasers, I guess, and, like, not wanting right. to cause conflict and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, if you're trying to get, get things done at the same time, it's like that. that's often seen as being passive aggressive just because right. it's such a you know like oh i don't want to make anyone mad or i don't i don't want people to see me this way because then the, you know if i try to you know ask for what i want or you know that kind of thing i'm going to be seen as aggressive so it, it's it's really hard to win yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> well, i think it's hard for everybody yeah at no. some level so moving along some of the non-verbal communication basically it's kind of saccharine sweet it usually involves speaking in a sweet almost sugary voice with some Bless tones. your heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, good, a good Southern passive aggressive there. Yeah. Uh, tones of sarcasm tend to have asymmetric posture with kind of quick, jerky gestures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Y'all can't see it, but Aaron is mimicking it right now. Uh-huh. We just call this wife speak. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you said that. None You're not of us. even married yet. No, but I mean, I've seen it enough. <laughs> yeah. You mean heard it? No, we're talking about nonverbal. I see the uh, I see the facial expressions. I see I see the attitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this makes others kind of feel confused or even hurt. It also tends to alienate people, and it doesn't address the real issues. Yeah. So you tend to remain powerless. Well, and it makes the other party powerless too, because you can't respond to passive aggression with aggression, or most of the time you feel like you can't. So the other mm-hmm. party's in control, and you're just kind of long for the ride the style you really want is assertive being assertive involves clearly stating what you want and what you need this could be stating your opinions and feelings clearly and appropriately but it also involves advocating for yourself without like taking away from others and you know i've seen the concept of like the alpha dog in the pack and what's interesting with that is if you actually watch canine behavior the alpha dog is not aggressive and overbearing on the rest of the group going, Hey, I get the good stuff and you get the crap. It's, it's a little bit more subtle than that. It's, that's more of a behavior of a, uh, of an animal that's been at the bottom of the hierarchy and is trying to ape the top, Mm -hmm. um, which, which is typically what you see when people think they're being assertive and they are being aggressive. It's, it's interesting how this works out because you can, you can state things very clearly what your opinion is and what your, your feelings are and what you need. But if you, if you're not very careful about how you do it such that other people still get theirs, it can very quickly come off as aggressive. And those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. That's very true. I'll tell you one thing that really annoys me. Um, I don't know if, if this quite fits in, but like, you know, I mean, I think you mentioned something about opinions, but it's like, there's a lot of people that can't express an opinion without getting backlash of some kind, or they can't have a discussion with somebody, you know, about their opinions, or even if those opinions are based on facts without exploding. So it was something my dad taught me a long time ago, or like, as I was growing up was how to have a conversation with somebody that you don't necessarily agree with on, on something, but you can back up like okay well i understand you feel that way you know but but here's how i feel and and this is why um and and even if you end up you know whether you end up agreeing at the end or still disagreeing you can have a calm conversation and not not you know get into a yelling match or or you know not be friends afterward or whatever and and this is one of those things that we're dealing with kind of across society which you're you know highlighting and in my opinion a large part of it has to do with the confidence of your position do you fully understand what you want do you fully understand your opinions? Can you support them? And then do you understand the other person's opinions or are you just blindly berating them with yours 
And if you don't have all of those, you tend to not be able, you can't really be assertive because you don't understand the whole picture. And as soon as they come back to you with information, you're going to quickly transition into one of the other types. You're either going to back down and be passive and start to kind of take the meek path and, 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 you know, get pushed, pushed around, or you're going to get super aggressive. And then yeah. that's just going to, that's going to escalate the whole situation. Typically everyone gets aggressive or, or you get be passive aggressive, which is what our society <laughs> is right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's why everybody's, well, I mean, like, look at the way that people are interacting. I mean, including the president right now. I mean, like there's a lot of catty, passive aggressive, crap going on it's what internet trolls do yeah and that's yeah. A, i mean that's the top of our entire society right now that's it is how mm-hmm. everybody interacts is passive aggressive because they can't be assertive because right. they're not coming from a position of confidence and they're not thinking through all the stuff that they want right. you know really in either case they can't be completely passive because they know what happens there right and they can't be aggressive because they'll you know they'll they'll get get in, yeah they'll get attacked or they'll get thrown in jail or you know, yeah. they'll, they'll end up on a list or something like that. So the only option that's left is passive aggression. And we've basically bottled up our entire society into that. And it's just going wonderfully. Yeah. Now there's no sarcasm in that at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it bleeds into the workplace really bad. If you start paying attention, you know, to how, how people are reacting to ideas and, and new information and adjustments and uh, spec changes, that kind of stuff. People who are not confident and aren't comfortable with their position or – they think they're the low, you know, the low dog in, in, the, in the list or whatever, and they're constantly fighting up. Yeah. Those are the, those are, those are going to be your problem areas. And that's where you're going to get your passive aggressiveness. Typically people in the workplace are not going to be super aggressive because you get fired. They're not going to be passive because no one likes getting pushed around because you never get your way. So they're going to typically be passive aggressive. You end up, you know, causing a lot of problems. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the problems don't get addressed because no. nobody can address them. Whereas if they, if they were more assertive sure, with it, it, then they would, those problems would be addressed. Right. Yeah. Because in, instead of getting like, instead of getting sideways comments, sarcasm, things like that, you, you are direct to the problem. If you're assertive, you get to actually say, this is my problem. Here's how I think we should fix it. And that person has no, nothing, they, they can't, they have no other response other to, than to directly address what's going on. It kind of puts you in that position for you, you know, to kind of control the situation so that, you know, you can, you, you can both be assertive without kind of overruling one another. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then a discussion can get started. Right. And not, and not you know, yeah. just a huge blowout or not right. being addressed at Cause all. Because, it, it, you know, for instance, if I come to you and I say, this is a problem, very calmly but direct, this is a problem. I've been thinking about it. I think we should fix it this way. It's really hard for you to not look like a jerk if you're super aggressive about it. And like I said, I don't I, – I, passiveness is actually – in my opinion, very rare. It's worse than aggression, but it's very rare. Yeah. So typically, what my what I've what I've seen is somebody either gets super aggressive if they think you're attacking their idea or whatever, which just makes them look silly. You know, if you if you react to someone who's being assertive and direct as defensive and just immediate, that that means you weren't real confident about your solution to start with, right? You know, or you can react passive aggressive, which is going to make me think you're a clown. Yeah, and 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 it's you know and. That's the thing. I'm just going to go do what I want and I'm actually going to get fixed it. I'm going to go fix it. And when I approach management with it being assertive, I'm going to get it fixed. And then you're still going to look like a clown because you're still being sarcastic and grumpy and, and you end up being the salty person. Do you, (laughs) do you have a hard time though when, when somebody's being passive aggressive with you and you are being direct and assertive and you're not throwing that stuff in there? It, like for me, it doesn't take a whole lot of the passive aggression to just like it flips my switch pretty quick yeah um like i had somebody basically lie to me and tell me things you know that dot net allowed multiple inheritance like for what they were saying was true to work that would have had to have multiple inheritance right and it was basically because they were they were hung up on their solution on their way of solving something that wasn't going to work and they realized it and instead of going okay yeah that was that was bad they felt like they were so cornered by that that they had to do like try to lie their way out of it Right, which to me can be seen as part of aggression. That's defensive. Because yeah. that's when I I went nonlinear <laughs> on that one. Sure, but I mean part to it's part of being part of being assertive is also being able to read other people. Like if you're being assertive, if I come to you, Will, and I say there's a problem with your code, here's where I think it's at. We need to look at it. 
if I sense you starting to get passive aggressive or, and that's why it's so important to understand these four styles completely. If I see you kind of backing down and, and redirecting or uh, starting to get aggressive through your body language, that kind of stuff, then I, as being assertive, I need to back up and say, I'm not judging your code. Right. This is just the way it is. We need to get this fixed because we've got to go to production next week. How do you like, how do you think we should do it? Is my opinion correct? And give you the opportunity to kind of reassess what your response should be. And right. that allows you to come back with the search. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not all that different than what you mentioned earlier, where, you know, your manager will come to you and say, I'm just, I don't know where you're at on this. And I'm not trying to make you feel, you know, like you, you know, you're stupid or whatever, but I'm, so if you have questions ask, but I'm just kind of explaining this just in case there's a, you know, there's a, a dark area that you, you're not familiar with. Sure. Well, and you let people save face. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, you know, I, my, you know, my dad's got an old distributorship. We, we had a client that, you know, they, they were behind on their bill. They, you know, we sent them another bill and they call in. They're like, I already paid this. And they, they were doing this all the time. And it, you know, they caught me one day on the phone. The way that I handled it was, I was like, okay, can you get the check number so we can call the bank and we can try to figure out what happened? And that was a chance for them to go, okay, let me go get my checkbook and find it. And then they found out that, oh, they, hey, I didn't pay this. Right. And it let them save face versus going, yeah, you, you know, you didn't pay it and you right. know, being direct. And a lot of times you can get, get away with that. Now that comes across as a little bit passive aggressive too. I mean, but you're, you're kind of going into it with the assumption that, okay, this person's telling the truth. You know, I knew they weren't. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like you just said, you're going into it being assertive by making, assuming innocence. That's something that I've been taught, taught in the last year. Assume, assume that they genuinely think that they did pay it, whether you know different or not yeah. and allow them to, you whether know, you were the one that filled out the bank deposit slip every day. Right. But you, you can be assertive by saying, can you give me the check number without like, without getting aggressive and saying you didn't pay it. I know you didn't pay it because I haven't, you know, I haven't received the check. Maybe right, they, they weren't going to, they were going to take that from a 17 year old kid, right. but maybe they did pay and it got lost in the mail. Right. Maybe something happened. So it, it allows you to be assertive without causing other problems. Right. And it lets you get it fixed because if I'd argued, then they would have called back the next day and they would have chewed out my uncle or my dad or exactly you know, mm -hmm. one of the truck drivers or whoever happened to be walking by the phone when they were lucky enough for it to ring. <laughs> yeah. So, so the nonverbals with assertiveness involve keeping yourself at an even tone, use a medium pitch, speed, and volume, and express kind of an open, relaxed attitude with even sort of rounded gestures maintain good eye contact you know there's a lot of ways to go about being assertive and we've kind of hit on some of them and i think we've talked about them in other episodes so we'll just really quickly go through a few of the important things like using i or we statements mm -hmm. which the we statements is something you've got me into doing uh, own it own it together own it as a team uh own your part on you know whatever the the communication or situation is no Listen without interruption, and That's you guys can. <laughs> you did that on sample. <laughs> Very <Good>. well played. <laughs> Good. Uh, you guys check out our listening skills episode on that one. Yeah, and th and the listening without interruption is also very difficult for myself and BJ sometimes, especially when we're recording. Yeah, <laughs> because you know, because a lot of times it's not really quite a conversation anyway, and so you're. They're saying something and you're about to say something next and it's easy to kind of jump ahead and you don't want that in an interpersonal, actual face-to-face -face conversation. You also usually don't have outlines and scripts for those interpersonal conversations. Yeah, that would be really awkward. That would be. Now, are we on point four? <laughs> Can we go back to point two? Yeah. <laughs> I still had something to say about that. Just get the editor to fix it later. <laughs> you can fix this later. Yeah. So talking about behavior and communication your communication behavior goes beyond what style you use to how you use it to get your message across there's several different systems for kind of determining how we use our communication we're going to discuss one system in particular that we have some familiarity with and kind of the behaviors in that system any of these behaviors can use each of the communication styles we've just been discussing. And that system is the communication styles technology. 
It's designed for understanding how we communicate with each other. I've already mentioned it was created by Dr. Paul Mock, and it's a proprietary system. Therefore, we're only going to discuss it from our experience and what's publicly available. You can get more information about the system through the link that I'll provide in the show notes. It starts off with an assessment to determine your primary and secondary styles of communication. And you'll do a a default sort of like how you generally communicate when you're not stressed, when things aren't going bad, and then one for when you are stressed. They're not mutually exclusive as each of us can have a blend of them all. But one or two do tend to be more dominant in people. There are four types of communicators, and we're going to discuss each one, sort of what motivates them, a few characteristics of their communication behavior, situations where they're not very comfortable, and then how they're perceived by the other styles. Those four are termed the thinker, the feeler, the intuitive, and the sensor. The thinker is based on logic, organization, and problem solving. They're motivated by kind of clear structural systems, logic, and organization. They tend to value quality, ethics, and justice, and focus on sort of all stages of a project. The past, the present, and the future. Sounds like my dad. My dad's a thinker. Your dad's also a DBA data analyst. Mm -hmm. This tends to be a lot of DBAs. Yeah, I think it it tends to be... This is what a lot of programmers also think they are. Yeah. Um, And we'll get to that in a minute. Thinkers tend to be very analytical and deliberate in their communication. You know, they think about all the consequences before making a decision and may even elaborate on all of those consequences when they are telling you about the decision they're making. Definitely, my dad. That's the way father figures are, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uncomfortable with direct personal communication. They don't like to make quick decisions and tend to be kind of reserved or conservative in their dress and posture. That's almost my dad to a T. I would say that's how I used to be. It's very much how you used to be. Yeah. Like I had pretty significant personality change, I guess. Um, Time does that. Life changes do that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've grown more into a thinker as I've gotten older and gotten life experience and things, which I, mm-hmm. I guess would happen to most people to an extent, kind of like Will just said. Yeah, I kind of went away from it. Not yeah. entirely, because you, you can't do your job right. with this without that. But. This is why this tends to be secondary in a lot of programmers. Yeah. One of the things that was mentioned is kind of like jobs and science and heavy data, like data analytics, DBAs were listed as the the big kind of jobs for these people. Right. And if it's their primary, I would say they're an accountant or a DBA. Mm-hmm. Or I'm trying to think what else they would be. Like a numbers, you know, physicists, those types. Like hard math. Now, it does have some interesting perceptions from the others and you'll understand these perceptions a little bit better once we've gone through all of the the styles but uh, feelers tend to see thinkers as blunt and stiff impersonal strict and boring intuitives tend to see them as narrow having no imagination too conservative or meticulous and then your sensor will see them as old-fashioned A bit too slow, too cautious, and defensive. Next is the feelers, and these tend to be based on direct human interactions and expressing their feelings. How do you feel about that? (laughs) (laughs) They're motivated by love, gratitude, and feelings of usefulness. Uh, They tend to value family, friends, and loyalty, and focus on sort of the past stages of a project. Now, what's interesting is when we were in college, this would have been my primary. I would agree with that. Um, partly because one of the main, like the two main jobs were medicine and psychology, which is interesting because medical school took that out of me. <laughs> <laughs> with the feeler, their communication does tend to be a bit more spontaneous and informal. They prefer human interactions and like to analyze people. Like I said, this was this was me in college. Oh, yeah. Um they also need constant Sitting there with your DSM four in the quad, <laughs> looking at these people. <laughs> what are you talking about? You and I were there together. Was, I think that was a DSM three. Was it? That was a four. four. Okay. Well, you were the one with the book, is what he's yeah. saying. They have a tendency to need constant feedback, as they care a lot about what other people think of them. They're uncomfortable with impersonal situations. Uh, tend to avoid structure and strict accuracy. 
don't like being given orders. <laughs> yeah. Cody and I have the same facial expression. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just thinking so these apply to every like each one of these apply in some way and the impersonal situations I'm great with, but being given orders, not real happy yeah. with it. And I am terrible about strict accuracy. I like the structure. I am awful with the minutia. Well, what's interesting is the feelers yeah. are not the only ones that don't like strict accuracy. Feelers tend to be perceived by thinkers as impulsive, immature, childish, and disorganized. Yep. And intuitives view them as full of mistakes, exaggerated reactions, being manipulative, and based on intuition, not ideas. Sensors see them as prima donnas, sensitive, talkative, and time wasters. So the intuitive is based on imagination and speculation. They're motivated by creativity and unstructured tasks. They tend to value concepts, ideology, and discovery. Focusing on the future of a project, they tend to be the early adopters to technology. And they probably tend to go more towards the architect-type role, I would imagine, yep. or something along those lines. 100%. Because that's probably the same kind of deal for me. Or they found a startup or they do something where they don't necessarily know all the stuff that's going to hit the fan and they enjoy that. Yep. This this actually is a lot of programmers tend to be yeah. into this one. Um, As the primary, mm -hmm. often at expense of the uh, technical side of it, to be 100% yeah. honest. They tend to communicate via abstractions, like to talk about ideas, are vision-oriented. They tend to convey ideas through metaphor. Like when your boss asks you, you know, when's this, we have this project done within a week, and it's like, it depends how close the speed of light can you get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they tend to be uncomfortable with bureaucracy and avoid the mundane, boring tasks as much as possible. They don't like too much structure or strict accuracy. Because yeah, they just want general ideas. I would say most of us in this room are either primary or secondary intuitives. Yeah. I mean, I, th I, I have a feeling that if you ran this across a large group of developers, most of them would be primary intuitives. But, you know, by a long shot, because I think, well, that's the beautiful thing about development. Yeah. I think you have to have, because you can't build anything and ever get to the point where you, somebody will hire you if you don't have this. Yeah. Like one of the things that, you know, like you just mentioned, general ideas. I don't know. I really don't know any developers out there that are good, that really like having a spec sheet handed to them and says, build this. Right. They want the general idea and then they want to be able to explore how to get it done and how to build it mm -hmm. and, yeah. and make it great. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think I, I really do think that, you know, the majority of your creatives, cause create development is creative. I don't care what anybody says. It's yeah. not, it's not just punching keys like a monkey. You know, you, you have, you have to be creative about your solution. And I think that's where this, this, you know, really falls. Yeah. I mean, every time I've had to give a spec to a junior or mid-level developer, you know, I, I leave some of it undone. You know, sure. it's like, here's the general way that this needs to interact and you go do it. Right. But I don't, I don't ever go, oh, here's the table structure. Yeah. And here, you know, because like that sucks the life out of it. And I know what's going to happen. It's eventually going to land back on my plate because they're going to not do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they're going to get bored in the details. Yeah. Yeah. So... Intuitives are perceived by thinkers as being disorganized, free-form philosophers, and not disciplined. Feelers, however, see them as fascinating, fanatic, or too persistent. And sensors think of them as crazy dreamers that talk way too much. Um, <laughs> I've been described by feelers as being, what was the phrase, like a terrier that's worrying a rat. You know how what? a terrier will get a hold of a rat and gnaw on it, you know, shake it back and forth to death? I mean, I do now. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had that metaphor directly used to describe me when I go when I go after something. And that's that was somebody that's very feeling and, you mm -hmm. know, that's the way that they, they interact. And that is totally how they perceive you. However, when, you, when you're in your more creative mode, the feelers are – the feelers are the people that used to sit around the table when I was in high school – and just listen to our conversation and be like, I just like sitting around you and listening. Because me and some of my my friends, we'd sit and have like philosophical conversations and then other people would just sit around and listen to the conversation. Right. And that would be the feelers. They're just like, this is so fascinating. 
Finally, the sensors are based on work, competition, and results. They're motivated by clear goals and tasks with practical solutions. Tend to value action and winning with a focus on the present stage of a project. These tend to be your fast and sharp thinkers. Their conversation tends to be very short and direct. Sometimes they appear to be in a hurry. They, they like to be in control when they're in a conversation. It's almost like actual engineers. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're dealing with like actual physical things. You know, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers. That seems to be the, the group that I see this sort of behavior out of more than anything. Is they, that correct from there? Yeah, that is, that is exactly correct. Uh, um, they tend to be uncomfortable with vagueness and avoid situations with no clear purpose. They don't like difficult theories. They're perceived by thinkers as being simplistic politicians, can be negligent, and like to give orders. Feelers see them as having no mercy, being selfish, and more interested in money than people. Intuitives think of them as dangerous, dictatorial, ready to do anything to achieve a goal. I didn't know dictatorial was a word. I would have murdered it. I, I never would have got it right. Yeah. I I am an IT normal and an IS stressed. I thought for sure, if I remember correctly, you had an you were an F at one on one of your stages because I remember making the comment because you wanted to go to the part wanted to go to the amusement parks and all that stuff, and I and and I and Damon and I were the only two out of the group that were are one of the rare kind, and we both want like. Amusement park with family and all those people, yuck. Because he, so just some background, we were broken into groups and we were asked to design our ideal vacation. And like it was just me and Damon. We wanted to go to like the mountains next to a lake where crap was quiet and there weren't a lot of people. No. And you just chilled with some beer and just hung out. Uh, See, I, I think it was something like, it was like really close. Uh, on the secondary between yeah i think we were the same but i think the initial i think you were a feeler initial i think you were an if i was an is and i think we were both it's on the on the stress yeah that must have been it because i knew that i knew i had a t in there i just couldn't remember. yeah that makes sense because i could be that way when i'm stressed yeah we both do we both back up and go okay fix the problem yeah and and like we start working, like we want people to like go away and we just work the problem. Right. Um, and then we'll come back out and go, I found it. And, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then he will literally transition back to the, isn't this awesome? Like, yay, yeah. we're moving forward. And I'm just like, go, 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 go. <laughs> Which is more, more sensor than thinker. I don't, I'm just, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I lean, I lean IS and mm. like traditionally, and then, and, and this is what threw me for a loop, is that I go to an IT, so when I get stressed, I actually, instead of more drive, which I always thought about myself, I always thought I would drive, I actually backed up, I start thinking the problem, and I will literally start, that's when my lists come out. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I'll start doing my that list. Okay, here's here's the problem. Here's what we have to get done to meet the deadline, and... And, and start working that list, and I'll start pushing it to other people. Here's the plan. Here's the plan. And well, you know, yeah. he just called me out on that before, too, where I've been, you know, because he, he's like, you're you're stressed out. No, I'm fine. You've got a list. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, whereas that, when I make a list, it's so that I don't di- get disorganized. Right. Right. You know, when you make a list, you're stressed out. And that that's an interesting thing about the these different styles. Um, there are lots of different systems that can be used to describe how we communicate with one another. One that I found when researching for this was Communication Styles 2.0, which is created by Paul Endress. And we didn't have time to get into it, but in it, there are 12 different styles of communication that are represented on a wheel that gets even more in-depth than the four styles. We've talked about finding what works for us and the styles that we are and how we communicate in order to help you better understand how other people around you communicate. It's up to you to find the system that works best for you. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I just want to point out that all these communication styles, um, in addition to looking at the way that other people communicate and what you can get out of that, is to start noticing how you're feeling when you're communicating a certain way, because that's a 
a lot of times you don't have a really good grasp on how much stress you're under um, because you know you tend to hide that from yourself and you tend to lie to yourself, but your behavior will out that. Um, I know that when I get stressed out, um, I tend to both you know, step back and try to fix the problem, and I also tend to pull a lot of pranks. Like if I'm sitting there going, I really, here's a great way to prank this person. <laughs> then I know that like, okay, I've got some stress I've got to deal with. And the other people I work with understand that too. They're like, oh, Will's about to pull a prank on somebody Th- that's, you know, he's wound. And, it, you know, that that's extremely valuable to be able to look at yourself and see that because you will lie to yourself about stress. You'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm okay. If it's starting to come out in your behavior, you're probably not. Right. So just suggest, you know, to also kind of turn this inward and look at it a little bit and see what you can get out of it from that. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Look for us each week on Facebook Live before we record each episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.